The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Are you considering going electric? Today on Eco Radio KC, host Terry Wilkie speaks with her guests Michael Allman and Mike Wasikowski. Electric vehicle shows are happening because of National Drive Electric Week, September 22nd through October 1st, 2023, a nationwide celebration to raise awareness of the many benefits of all electric and plug in hybrid cars, trucks, motorcycles, and more. Michael Allman is an electric car owner and member of the board of directors of the Sustainability Action Network. He has been instrumental in bringing electric car shows to his community of Lawrence, Kansas. Mike Wasikowski is an electric car owner, and he is a member of the City of Lawrence's Public Transit Advisory Committee. He will talk about the importance of putting electric buses to use in any city. The time for an annual EV show in Lawrence, Kansas is Saturday, October 1st, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at South Park on Massachusetts Street in downtown Lawrence. There will be opportunities available for everyone to see, touch, and talk about, and maybe even drive an electric vehicle from buses to bikes. The Panasonic battery plant nearby DeSoto, Kansas is under construction. Research shows green energy projects are on the upswing in Kansas, but Kansas is one of the states with the lowest numbers of consumer sales of electric vehicles. Colorado is adopting green energy at a much faster rate. Missouri is adopting green energy at twice the rate of Kansas. Panasonic plant expects to be producing batteries for electric vehicles by the year of 2025. There are hiring projects of about 200 employees per month throughout 2024 for jobs that pay better than $20 per hour and which requires 12-hour shifts. We at Eco Radio are glad to urge awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present or a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Hi, I'm Terry Wilkie. For every attempt to make electric vehicles in America, there's Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushing hard to ensure those cars are made abroad. Biden's industrial policy push is real, with increases in investment in semiconductor production, electric vehicles and batteries, as well as new factories in general. Our intro said a few words about the Panasonic electric vehicle battery, which listeners were often going to call an EV. The battery plant is in DeSoto, Kansas. Now we have the industry, but recent newspaper reports said low numbers of consumers are buying them in Kansas. They're low in Missouri and they're even lower in Kansas. National Drive Electric Week is September 22nd to October 1st this year. You can check out electric vehicles of all types and chat directly with owners about their experiences. That's why Michael Allman and Mike Wasikowski are my guests. They're instrumental in bringing EV showcases to Lawrence, Kansas. That'll be this Sunday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in South Park. Welcome, Michael and Mike. Hi there, Terry. Hi, Mike. Hi, Terry. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having us on. Well, Michael, we're going to start with you, Michael Allman. You're an electric car owner and a member of the Board of Directors of the Sustainability Action Network in Lawrence, Kansas. How many EV showcases have you helped support? 
Uh, this will be our sixth year. We actually have only done five because one year during the pandemic we skipped. And last year the EV showcase in Lawrence had 29 EVs and 300 to 500 people in attendance. What do you project for this year? Do you have any projections? What? Yeah, it's shaping up about that, or maybe even better. We have 28 so far right now, as well as an electric bus, and I'd say a couple dozen electric bicycles. Generally, people are signing up one or two a day, so I anticipate there'll be some more. Well, when did you acquire an, an electric vehicle? Six years ago? The year of the first showcase? Did you have one then, or did you buy one after, because of the showcase? After, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I felt like, you know, how can I be promoting electric vehicles if I don't drive one? So it was uh, 2019 when I bought a Nissan Leaf used. I can't afford new. <laughs> Well, what but year then I is traded, the Leaf? I traded it, it in for a Bolt last year. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So what year was your Leaf? You bought it in 2019, but how old was it when you bought it? Um, 2012. Wow. Kind of an early. I don't know. Do, do either of you know when did they come out with the first fully electric vehicle? What year was that? Well, the, the LEAF was 2011. Other other vehicles, I'm not sure. Do you know, Mike? Uh, the Tesla Mall line started around that time as well, maybe a little bit before that. Um, that said, there are there is a long history of electric vehicles going back ways, but the Nissan LEAF is probably the first modern, fully electric one, I would say. Right, the first commercially manufactured. Well, it's as if the car industry started to make it that would have been the 50s or 60s i saw it on public tv one time there was one model looked like an opal cadet to me it was a roundy looking car mm -hmm. and then they quit making them and we can all scratch our heads except listeners can't see us scratching our heads wondering <laughs> why and how this occurred but let, let's just go back to you for a second michael how is owning an electric vehicle going for you? Uh, very well. Uh, the Nissan LEAF had some limitations because it was an early one without much range. It had only about 75, 80 mile range. So it basically was an around town car. Now with the Bolt, um, it has a range officially of 259, but I can charge it up to about 300 miles um, now that means 300 miles driving very conservatively, not punching the accelerator, for example, or driving a, lo a lot at high speed. Both of those will cut down on the range. I think maybe people learn as they drive. Now, Mike Wasikowski, you're also an electric car owner, and you're a member yeah. of the City of Lawrence's Public Transit Advisory Committee. So how many EV showcases have you helped su to support? Uh, I have. I think this will be probably my seventh or my eighth showcase that I've been to, including ones that were in uh, Kansas City proper as well as those in Lawrence. Yeah, well, good on you. And... Um, when did you acquire an EV? What was your first? Give us your history. My uh, first electric vehicle was the uh, Chevy Bolt that I still have. I bought that in uh, September 2017. It was one of the first ones that they sold in Kansas. Hmm. Uh, after that, uh, my uh, then fiance wanted to get an electric car to replace hers. So we sold her Ford Escape and got a Chevy Spark EV back in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And then a few weeks ago, we traded that car in and uh, bought ourselves a uh, Bolt EUV off of their new line. So all Chevys, and that's mm -hmm. good, yeah, good on you. I, I personally <laughs> happen to be a person who likes the idea of driving an American company 
car, even though it may or may not be made in America. The company exists in America, and the benefits can go to Americans. And so I'm sort of, um, oh, what do you guys call it when you route, you root for the Chiefs versus the Patriots? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that about car companies. I like an American car company. But, and so that's good on you because you have uh, Chevys now. We're going to get back to that bolt later on in our talk. We're going to talk about models that are desirable. And the bolt is showing up real well, the brand new bolt, which is what you must have bought. But now then, did you ever buy a used EV? Yes, the uh, Spark yeah. that... Uh my wife and I bought was used when we purchased it. Uh, it was a 2015 model line and we bought it in 2020. And uh, how's it going for you, these three cars? Uh, the Spark did what it needed to, which was getting us in and around town, but it was uh, like uh, Michael Alman's old school Leaf, very limited in terms of being able to drive longer distances and we wanted to get rid of that limitation so that's why we traded it in and got another bolt for us yeah well good on you and i'll tell you if anyone is listening and they're thinking about an electric vehicle and they have the luxury of just driving around town even a town the size of kansas city the electric vehicle would do all right for you um, not from one side of the city to the other certainly for people like us i live in lawrence too which at its widest part is probably 25 miles what do you guys think it's uh 15 minutes i'd say from one far corner to the other okay so 15 miles across an electric vehicle will do you very well um, in a town that size but I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll, it, my mother had an electric, um, it was not a golf cart, but it was kind of a lawn tractor type of thing. It was maybe a some kind of Honda or something. It was electric. And she lived in Olathe, and the heck if she didn't use to get in that car and drive herself on the sidewalk. Now, they had huge sidewalks down there. It was on Black Bob Road. And uh, she'd go two or three miles to the grocery store. The heck, she'd almost drive right into the store because the vehicle <laughs> was so small. And the people all knew her, knew she was an old lady who didn't walk very well. And I really thought that initiative of wanting to have a low-cost vehicle that could easily get her around and goes you know, pretty doggone fast. It goes at a very good pace and it carries groceries and she couldn't have walked to the store two miles, I think it was. And so um, the, an electric vehicle, no matter how small, would do very well for that. Now, Mike Wazikowski, you're working for the city of Lawrence on an advisory committee for the transit. Is that correct? Yes, uh, for Lawrence Transit. I'm the chair of the Public Transit Advisory Committee. Yeah, good on you. And um, so in the city of Lawrence, talk to us about what kind of public electric transit they have. Besides, uh, people have cars, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the uh, city of Lawrence operates a fleet of full-length, like, 40-foot buses, as well as cutaway buses for various routes throughout the city. Uh, early in 2022, we, were, we uh, got delivery from uh, Gillig, our first five electric full-length buses that are on uh, routes today and have been for a little bit over a calendar year now. Um, seem to be doing very well. Uh, we're going to be getting our next two buses from Gillig in uh, later this year. And we have grant money and contracts out to acquire two more full-length buses from a company called Proterra 
as well as two cutaway buses to start serving our shorter routes and our point-to-point -point driving. And I could point out, Terry, that the city of Lawrence has budgeted for two electric fire trucks as well as uh, transitioning their police cars. I'm not sure how many they've budgeted yet. And ultimately, they're transitioning their entire fleet, including trash trucks, for example. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I'll tell you, there are cities all over that have electric buses. And then there is an initiative for electric school bus. There, that is a national initiative. I don't know if any of the school buses in Lawrence, Kansas are electric. Do you know, Mike? That's not. No, they are not in any of the school districts around here. Um, my organization is trying to get an electric school bus at one of our shows. We haven't succeeded yet, but we want to promote that locally. Yeah, thank you. Now, gentlemen, we're going to take our first break. And so I'll remind the listeners, my name is Terry Wilkie. You're listening to Eco Radio KC. I'm talking with Michael Almond and Mike Wazikowski. I'm sorry, I'll probably butcher your name 16 times, Mike. And we will be right back after this. Support for KKFI comes from the You Spin Anywhere a Music Extravaganza Festival taking place on Friday, September 29th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Lemonade Park in the West Bottoms. Performances by Jazz, Sabaneros, MGM, Lucid Flows, and Lou Rip, and more. With music also powered by you. For more information, go to Instagram backslash Music app. Join me, DJ Madam B, early Tuesday mornings from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. as a host, Doni Del Mundo. Global Music by Women, the musical women of the world. Here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City. And if you miss an episode, you can hear the archives for two weeks at archive.kkfi.org. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. In many parts of Iowa, wind turbines can be seen spinning above farm fields. These wind farms generate significant tax revenue for the counties where they're located. Alex Delworth of the nonprofit Center for Rural Affairs is author of a recent report on the impact of wind tax revenue in three Iowa counties, Story, Ida, and Marshall. He says the counties had various strategies for collecting and dispersing the funds, but all saw big economic benefits. Overall, wind tax revenue has allowed counties to increase funding to a number of essential services, you know, make pretty high investment infrastructure improvements and pay for like specific special projects without raising the tax burden on local community members. For example, Ida County has financed about $30 million worth of road and highway improvements. Meanwhile, the wind turbines in Marshall County have increased the tax base. Without the turbines, the property tax in their county would have increased by 22% to cover the same amount of services. So Iowa's booming wind energy industry generates a lot more than clean energy. The report shows it can also help support education, health, and infrastructure in rural counties. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. This is Terry Wilkie, and I'm back with Mike Wazikowski and Michael Allman. We're talking about electric vehicles. So, friends, if this is going to be my hardest question today, but can either of you think of a downside to an electric vehicle? Let's be fair with the listeners. who Sales are low in Kansas and low in Missouri, lower in Kansas, there must be a reason for that. So can we t talk about some of the downsides? Well, this is Michael Allman. Uh, first of all, I'd start by saying that 
part of the reason that that sales are lower here is that national policy air uh, air pollution issues for example they emphasize um, transitioning to electric cars on the coasts where most of the air quality is really poor and that's a way that they can address urban air quality that said um, I don't know why dealers around here don't necessarily uh, you know stock EVs sometimes you just have to order them and wait for them to come um, but another reason is that in Kansas there's a law that you cannot buy you have to buy your car through a dealer um, Tesla doesn't do that they sell them over you know on the internet that sell them direct that's why the Tesla dealer is on the Missouri side of the state line Boulevard because <laughs> they couldn't be in Kansas and sell direct uh, there's one other thing that I'd like to add in there. Uh, Kansas, like many other states in recent times, has enacted a higher registration fee on driver or drivers who want to register plug-in hybrids or fully electric vehicles. Um, for my wife and I, we pay $200 a year to register our vehicles where a comparable family driving gas vehicles would only pay $60. That extra money is ostensibly to offset the cost of gas taxes that an electric vehicle driver does not incur. Uh, in my position, it definitely weighs too heavily on electric vehicle drivers. I believe for us, we would have to drive about 50,000 miles in our electric vehicle in a calendar year to compensate for the money that we're putting into the fund based on what gas taxes we'd be paying. Right. Thank you for that. Now then, I'm going to be quick to pop up with some downsides, and you guys can say what you want about it. They don't go far before they require a charge, and charging stations are not readily available. Sometimes you can find yourself in places where there just isn't even a charge available. If you can find a charger, it takes a long time to charge your car. So I think really that is the one of the things that slows people down about um, buying an EV. Apartment complexes don't even have chargers. It's a problem. Uh, Mike Wazikowski, how do you charge a city bus? How long does that take? Uh, I'm not sure on the exact time, but the city has their own fast chargers at their bus depot where they park buses overnight and they plug them in when they're done with their driving for the day. And when the drivers show up to take them uh, uh, out on the road for the next day of routes, they are fully charged and ready to go. So it's an overnight process for those vehicles. Michael Allman, have you ever uh, had your car go dead for lack of charge and <laughs> had to tow it? Or you you laugh like no. these are some of the urban it, myths I have it, heard in Kansas City that, oh, some electric vehicle died on the Lewis and Clark viaduct and then the lights went off and somebody smashed into it. I, I believe that's an urban myth. I don't believe such an accident actually did happen. They don't just stop, correct? They give you a fair warning. Yeah, they do. Um, I With the very short range that my Nissan Leaf had, there were times when I got really, really low, and I had to you know plan my trip, whether it was to a nearby little city or whatever that I would go halfway wherever I was going and realize, okay, that's half charge. I need to turn around and go back. Um, so you had to plan very carefully how far you would drive. And, you know, that's what generates what they call range anxiety. Uh, that's definitely a downside. It's not fun. So 
the thing with with the newer makes and models now is that their ranges are you know anywhere from average 150 up to 350 miles there are some cars that go to 400 450 500 like um i think it's the tesla y and the lucid air they but those are expensive cars but typically the range is going to be you know around 300 or so miles um that's adequate to make most trips if you're going long distance once again you have to plan until you know the the, the nation at large uh, updates and upgrades our infrastructure just like we have gas stations everywhere I certainly agree with that. I'll never forget I met a couple at the electric vehicle showcase. And this is a question I went around and asked everyone, which, by the way, listeners, at these EV showcases, you will see new EVs and used EVs with people who own these EVs and have experience driving them. Anyway, it was a couple... um, middle-aged couple and they had to drive to Texas to see children and on their way back which is just driving great expanses without seeing anything even if you had gasoline I don't know everybody who has run out of gas on the highway raised their hand (laughs) and um, so the car is saying okay you don't you only have this much time I think instead of saying volume it tells you you've got this much time left and they knew they were low and so she looks on her internet it was a not a tesla tesla's got the most sophisticated system of chargers and charger notification but she had some app that let her see where the charger was and then they made it to the charger and it was a non-issue they never stopped they never stuttered like a gasoline vehicle you know it'll shake and then run out and then you're stuck and it's hard to get started again you got to take a thimble full of gas and pour it down the the throat of the vehicle so um what about you, Mike uh, Wojcikowski? Have you had trouble with uh, your range on your electric vehicle? Infrequently, I have. The worst situation that I've had was probably driving between uh, Lawrence and Omaha, where uh, my mother lives. And at the time, there were no fast chargers on the route between uh, Lawrence and Omaha going up US Highway 75. So I had to drive slower than the speed limit to extend my range enough and be able to make it there safely. Now I would point out, this is Michael Allman, um, if you do have a problem on the road and you're getting low range or, or so far that you can't go any farther, you can't call AAA to get a recharge like you could call AAA to get, you know, a gallon of gas. Won't work that, with an electric car. <laughs> that's true. However, they are piloting new mobile chargers for electric oh, vehicles, not in Lawrence or in Kansas City, but in about 15 or 20 different cities throughout the nation. They have uh, fancy Ford F-350s that include a portable generator that they can take to a electric vehicle driver who has run out of charge and recharge them. Excellent. It turns out solutions are out there. We just need the infrastructure to supply those solutions. And when we have so few EVs on the road in the Midwest, it's no wonder that we're not getting the infrastructure because people are not having the vehicles they would have there they they put the station there and then people are still buying gasoline so um when we come back we're we have a few minutes left until our second break but we'll talk about the advantages to having an ev certainly on the west coast the numbers of electric vehicles are much closer to 40 percent 
even I looked at I found uh, some data on um, school on buses on uh, electric buses and what they call zero emission buses or EV buses and so uh, the West Coast including Oregon and Washington accounts for 41 percent of all zero emission buses so for Lawrence, Kansas, to even have two, don't you guys have two? Don't we have two in Lawrence, two electric buses? Uh, we have five electric buses, oh, city buses, mm -hmm. no um, school buses, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Terry, if if I could interject a little bit, this is Michael Allman. On the charging of an EV, um, most people have home chargers. Like you said, though, that's a problem if you live in an apartment. But one of the good things about the potentially good things about electric vehicle and your home chargers is that uh, there's at least one company and a second one coming out soon with bi-directional chargers that um, when you plug in your charger to your home, you can charge your vehicle. But then if there's a problem with the electric grid and there's a brownout, for example, you can run your house on the battery of your car so the, the electricity could go either way so that's a, a a technology that's totally new that you know it's a superior just of its own to a to a gas powered car right it's the car is a large battery as a large yeah. uh, generator battery yeah i have heard of that that's and then if you can have a solar collector to charge that car too yeah, i mean which i do a, oh good how about you him. mike i do not have solar at my house unfortunately that is okay. an expense that will uh, be probably a few years in the future um, yeah evergy though does allow people to subscribe to get their power specifically from wind or from large solar outfits as well for a little bit of a surcharge um that uh, can really benefit you in terms of how green your electricity is for your vehicle. And Mike, didn't you say that they have a a rebate for That's Evergy? correct. Uh, for uh, residents of Missouri, you have to get a, a 240 volt plug as well as sign up for their time of use plan to get $500 back on the installation of a uh, charger in your house. In Kansas, you get 250 back just for the install of a charge in your house, and you can get another 250 total of 500 if you additionally sign up for their time of use or their electric vehicle plan, which I definitely have done. Well, we're going to take our second break, but thank you for giving me a good segue, gentlemen, because when we come back, we're going to talk about the good sides of an EV, and we're going to talk about the type of financial initiative and credits and rebates that are now available. So everyone stay tuned while we take this short break. Hello, this is Joseph Jackson. Join me on Caltown Conversations where we will discuss matters that impact your life as a resident of the Kansas City metropolitan area. Every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right after Democracy Now! The Parkville Living Center's Arts and Crafts Fair will be October 7th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Parkville Presbyterian Church, 819 Main in Parkville, Missouri. Artists will include those who work with a variety of media. Browse the displays and perhaps treat yourself to a sandwich while doing so. For more information, go to parkvillelivingcenter.org slash artists. This message is a public service of KKFI. Here's a calendar for the week of 925. Race to the Dome, a canoe, kayak, and SUP race on the Missouri River is Saturday, October 7th. Registration will close on October 4th. Register at racetothedome.org. Kansas and Missouri, September 6th through October 6th is light out for birds. You can do this at your own home during peak migration, 7 p.m. to dawn. Songbirds migrate at night. Light pollution can cause them to become confused. We encourage everyone to turn off all unnecessary lights. If working indoors at night, close the drapes. 
To find more information about the Women's Bike Summit on Saturday, September 30th, visit bikewalkkc.org. Wednesday, September 27th, 8.30 to 10, Missouri Coalition for the Environment is hosting the next Kansas City Eco-Org Networking event for organizations in the Kansas City region that are working to improve our environment. This will be at FlexPod Westport Commons, 300 East 39th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. These events are free to all attendees, but registration is required. Go to moenvironment.org. Saturday, September 30th, 9 to 5, Deep Roots KC Fall Field Trip to Poozy Conservation Area, Chillicothe, Missouri. It is the season to get outside and enjoy our natural areas. Hop on the bus and explore Missouri's native flora and fauna. There is a small fee, but transportation is provided for this guided hike. For more information, go to deeproots.org. Saturday, September 30th, 10 to 3, is the first ever Blue River Discovery Days Festival. Celebrate nature-based activities like birding, natural photography, and guided hikes at Minor Park, 11103 Holmes Road, Kansas City, Missouri. For more information, go to Heartland Conservation Alliance on Facebook. Saturday, September 30th, 10 to 2, Drive Electric KCMO is at Ignition Lab, 3024 Troost Avenue. You can find more information at National Drive Electric Week website, driveelectricweek.org. Also on Saturday from 9 to 2, Hasta Luego Monarchs is an event at the Pollinator Prairie, 320 South Blake Street, Olathe, Kansas. The Johnson County Extension Master Naturalists, in association with Monarch Watch, are hosting a free family-friendly pollinator event. To learn more, visit johnson.k-state.edu. Saturday, September 30th from 9 to 2, Pal Gardens Trails Day and Fair. The first 100 hikers get free admission on September 30th to enjoy the botanical gardens and to take a guided hike on the Brian Schutz Nature Trail System. To learn more and reserve tickets, visit palgardens.org. Sunday, October 1st, 11 to 3, National Drive Electric Week in Lawrence, Kansas. Electric Vehicle Showcase will be at South Park, 1140 Massachusetts Street, Lawrence, Kansas. For more information, driveelectricweek.org. Stay involved. Enjoy the fall. You can watch your local politics for environmental issues. My name is Liz, and thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. This is Terry Wilkie. We're talking with Michael Almond and Mike Wazikowski today, where the topic is electric vehicles. So, friends, we spent a little bit of time talking about the downsides to electric vehicles. And this was hard for me. I don't know if it was hard for you, too, as well. But we do agree that driving range and time it takes to charge those are the big ones okay now we're gonna flip that pancake and talk about the good sides of the electric vehicle and i'm sure we could spend many more hours having a conversation this way thanks to their ability to cut pollutants and climate altering greenhouse gas emissions while keeping noise levels to a minimum electric vehicles improve living conditions particularly for urban residents so the cost is right, the um, operation is good, they're fast, they drive well, they brake well, and they require less general maintenance. Now, Michael Allman, can you think of anything you want to add to the advantages of an electric vehicle? Uh, well, Terry, as far as you know, the practicalities go, you know, the price of an electric vehicle is fairly high, but it's really not, generally speaking, much higher than a conventional internal combustion engine car. Um, what I like to point out to people is the flip side of that, that basically you're, you're going to have an advantage of an electric vehicle price-wise because you're going to have virtually no maintenance costs, none. I mean, first of all, you're not going to a gas station twice a, a week filling up, you know, for 
a couple hundred dollars. Um, you know, there's no oil changes there. You know, you don't have to re replace uh, uh, alternators, and you know that you don't basically have any maintenance costs. The the kind of cost that I have on mine so far is rotating the tires. Well, I hope you keep it lubed. I mean, you still do have to grease them. So what about you, Mike Wazikowski? What do you think? Uh, maintenance cost is definitely a very similar story to what Michael has. Similar in that yeah. it's like almost nothing compared yeah, to Yeah, we rotate the tires. Mm -hmm. We personally change the cabin air filters every 20, 30,000 miles or so, and that's it. Um, <laughs> the operational cost is super cheap with our, the electric vehicle uh, charging rate that we have with Evergy. We pay about four and a half cents per kilowatt hour for our electricity, which means that for both of our cars, uh, it costs about three dollars to refill the battery from empty to full and drive us potentially about 250 miles. OK, now that. I want you to slow down and say that again. Michael Allman, I, I saw you trying to interrupt and say, well, I've got a solar collector I plug my car into. But uh, <laughs> You're very lucky to yeah. be able to pay nothing. So, but now then say that very slowly the okay. second time. For those of us who plug into the grid, um, and uh, for me being on the electric vehicle plan, the charge right now is four and a half cents per kilowatt hour, roughly. The Bolt has a 66 kilowatt hour battery so that's about $3 to recharge the battery. On that, I can drive about 250 miles. On a ga gallon of gas that would cost a little bit more than $3 nowadays, I would be lucky to be able to drive 30 or 40 miles in that, give or take the vehicle I was in. All right, now that bears repeating. Say that Say that again. Say that. That's good math. Say that very clearly. I can drive about eight times as far in my Bolt for the same amount of money that I can in a gas car. That's amazing. Yeah, and another way to look at it is that electric vehicles get about 100 miles per gallon, if you think of it as gallons. That's good. That Yeah, that, that analogy helps me out a bit. 100 miles the gallon, that's a phenomena. And, um, because now I only get 300 miles per gallon, and uh, that costs me a lot of money to fill up to that to that level. You mean 30? I hope 30, because if you have a gallon, gallon, oh, I'm in a tank. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, pardon me. 300 miles in a tank of gas, mm -hmm. yeah. which is 11 gallons for me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Typically, I think ice cars get. 20, 25 miles to gallon, something like that. Well, now then, let's say a few words about the operation of these cars. The closest I have come to driving an electric vehicle was I used to drive electric golf carts for my dad. Hmm. But I'll tell you what, when you step on the foot feed, man, you go. You know, it's just like, you go. And I have heard that described to me as torque. And that means they have a lot of power at the foot, correct? You guys drive them. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, yeah so, it's, it's torque. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, uh, torque. So what torque is, it's basically measuring how much power you can put on something that's spinning. In the case of a vehicle, it'd be your wheels. And the big advantage for an electric motor driven vehicle is they have essentially the exact same amount of torque no matter how fast you're going. That is not a trait of internal combustion engine vehicles. So it's very easy to accelerate in them, not only from a stop, but especially so when you're already driving extremely fast, like at highway speeds. They have a single speed transmission. So that would be another cost saving. There's The transmission is a different animal than a... Yeah, there are a few electric vehicles like the Porsche Taken that have gears, but they are very few and far between because electric motors inherently have a pretty wide operating range that can uh, fulfill basically all your driving needs. 
Well, and I, I could point ahead, out, if, if I could, you asked about, like, overall upside with, when you think of the climate issue and emissions, that there's no tailpipe emissions. But the electric motor itself, the design of electric motor, is far more efficient than an internal combustion engine just by its design. So even if you charge an electric car on the grid on coal fire electricity, it's less emissions than driving an internal combustion car. Thank you for that. I'm I'm so glad you all are on with me. Uh, <laughs> I, okay. I hope listeners are not confused about th that I don't know as much about cars as you two do. But That's why you bring on guests. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did do some research, and Car and Driver has ratings on electric vehicles, and their number one recommendation is the Ionix 6 sedan. Yes. Well, there you go. So that yeah. is a Hyundai, correct? Yes, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's the brand new, it, it, it's the next generation after the Ionic 5, but it's aerodynamically designed, from what I've read, to the point where, and this is, you know, if you're driving highway speed, of course, that you can get 381 miles range um, on a full battery charge that rivals the Tesla, and, and I couldn't say the Lucid Air, but... 381 miles is pretty high. Now, I have sat in a Tesla at an electric vehicle showcase, and the interior of these electric cars are incredibly comfortable. They have room. Of course, there is a steering wheel, but there aren't all those humps and bumps that there are in gasoline-powered engines. So that's a remarkable part of them, too. Yeah, I, I am six foot three, and the Chevy Bolt fits me very well as a driver. Um, it's a, a surprisingly large cabin for a subcompact-sized vehicle. Well, I want to tell you, Mike, what Car and Driver said about the Bolt, which they're rating the the new Bolt, and they say at 27495 estimated cost, 27000 for a brand new one, 259 miles per charge because mm -hmm. they fixed the battery and gave it a massive price cut. That makes Chevy's stubby little EV a much more attractive choice. So it looks small, but what you're saying is inside, it's not small at all. It's It's got a nice it's size. It's very too. large. Um, mm -hmm. It's bigger than most other uh, internal combustion engine cars that I have owned in the past. I, I have carried an eight-foot piece of lumber in my bolt. I've no, a 10-foot, 10-foot. <laughs> I've seen someone who's able to carry a 70-inch widescreen TV in their bolt. <laughs> So it is very capable of what you need. Well, that's an amazing story. Now, the other cars listed in the top car and driver, the BMW i4 has intense mm -hmm. performance and a 307-mile driving range, but it's expensive. It's like all BMWs, a very expensive car, a luxury car, really. And then... They said, say what you will about Tesla and its leader, Elon Musk, but the Model 3 EV sedan changed the rules of the EV game, and it gets important updates this year. So you can buy a brand new Tesla 3, Model 3, for 42000 which is reasonable if you're going to buy a new car i think it's below the average cost of a new car in america today which is around forty nine thousand dollars right now and i understand that tesla's what what elon musk has said that they're working on a twenty five thousand dollar tesla I'll, I'll believe it when i see it but Right, because Musk says a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> that would be good. I see one of the problems with people buying cars is not the cost of the car, 
but the hourly wage of the people. I mean, how in the world can you earn enough to buy a car? And then interest rates are high, too. So uh, there's a lot of problems to buying a car. I'm, I'm so gratified to hear you to have experience in buying a used EV. And that's a story that has to get better because as these excellent 2023s get used, people have many reasons for selling them. It's like, so and, and it is to some extent the federal government with the uh, inflation reduction act approved a used electric vehicle tax credit the details are still a little fuzzy from what i understand but the gist is that any used electric vehicle that is sold through a dealer that is more than three model years old so a 2020 right now for 2023 uh, that is sold for under twenty five thousand dollars you can get a tax credit of up to $4,000 off the purchase cost of that vehicle. Well, I did a little research and I agree with you, Mike. It's like a, a swamp. Many good people have gone into the provisions of the federal government and they haven't come out yet. But the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act EV credit is up to 7,500 for a new EV and plug-in hybrid once every 10 years and it also gives credit for commercial evs like the buses i'm sure the city is aware mm -hmm. and now this was confusing to me credit for the sale of a used ev or plug-in hybrid i when they're talking about a credit for buying and then saying credit for the sale of that's not sale like i buy one that sale like i have one and and sell it uh that's in this case it's you have to buy it from a dealer it has to be a used car from them it can't be like a private purchase it has to be done through a dealer but as long as it meets that standard and is under the maximum cost of that used vehicle uh cap then it'll qualify for the tax credit just the same as any other electric vehicle would yeah, thank you for that. I'll tell you, the future is bright for the electric vehicle. And uh, on the calendar, I'm sure everyone heard there is an electric car show in Kansas City on Saturday. There's one in Lawrence, Kansas on Sunday. Come to both locations and take a look at them and you'll be stopping at electric car dealers on your way home, I'll bet, to see if you can't acquire one of these and uh, and put a happy um, vehicle in your life. We really rely on our vehicles. Mike Wojcikowski, thank you for making electric buses because buses are huge sources of pollution. Michael Allman, thank you for putting on this electric car show for everybody. And thank you both for being my guest today. Thank you, Terry. My pleasure. Support for KKFI provided by the Kansas City Museum, located at 3218 Gladstone Boulevard. The Kansas City Museum is now open, featuring exhibits, programs, and experiences encompassing Kansas City's past, present, and future. You can find a full list of programs and events, as well as ways to support at kansascitymuseum.org. Voices of Kansas City is a community conversation produced by the Kansas City Star. Fridays at noon, tune in to 90.1 FM to hear Kansas City Black business owners share their stories of struggle, commitment, success, and joy. A new Kansas City Star project created in collaboration with Kansas City Gift, a nonprofit that supports growing Black-owned businesses, and KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Join us at noon on Fridays this fall for Voices of Kansas City. Beginning Friday, September 22nd right here on KKFI. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of September 25th, 2023. Democracy Now! reports the Biden administration has announced the creation of the American Climate Corps, a paid training program for jobs critical to combating climate crisis. The White House did not say how much it will spend on the new Climate Corps, which was created through executive action and will have to draw from existing funding sources. It is projected to offer 20,000 positions to work in its first year 
year on projects like habitat restoration, climate adaptation projects, and installation of clean energy infrastructure. The American Climate Corps will pay participants and act as a job training program since most positions won't require previous experience. The administration is also proposing new regulations that would streamline entry to civil service job after the program. Climate scientists are sounding the alarm over record low levels of sea ice off the coast of Antarctica ahead of the start of spring in the southern hemisphere. Sea ice helps to prevent the rapid flow of ice from Antarctica's glaciers into the ocean, which can drive global sea level rise. Satellite data shows sea ice extent surrounding Antarctica far below any previous winter level. A Minnesota judge has dismissed criminal charges against three indigenous water protectors who were arrested while protesting at the construction site of Enbridge's Line 3 pipeline in 2021. The three women, Winona, LaDuke, Tanya, Abed, and Don Goodman, were arrested as they sang, danced, and prayed near construction crews. The judge wrote that the women were exercising their rights to free speech and to freely express their spiritual beliefs. She dismissed the charges against them in the interest of justice, concluding to criminalize their behavior would be the crime. Hundreds of thousands of protesters around the globe took to the streets, calling for an end to burning of fossil fuel. Climate action took place in the cities worldwide. In New York, an estimated 75,000 protesters joined a massive march on Sunday, September 17th. EcoWatch reports, about half of all packaged goods found in grocery stores contain palm oil because the product is versatile, grows efficiently for better yield, and has low production costs. However, palm oil comes at a high cost to the environment, and its production is a leading cause of deforestation around the world. As a potential alternative, researchers at Queen Margaret University, QMU, in Edinburgh, UK, have developed palm alt, which they found to not only be better for the environment, but also a healthier substitute. A new study by researchers from Cornell University and Microsoft has found that working remotely can have great benefit for the planet in terms of oil and gas used for the transportation sector. Inside Climate News reports, nationwide, the hottest urban areas tend to be the neighborhoods with low-income communities and communities of color. The neighborhood also are physically hotter. A study of 108 historically redlined cities nationwide found temperature differences in 94% of them, and that the differences were consistent with racial and economic makeup. These same neighborhoods often have the least resources for dealing with the blistering heat. Residents tend to pay greater portion of their income toward housing and energy costs and also have less access to health care. Biden administration has announced plans to put $1 billion toward enhancing tree canopies in these urban areas as a means of addressing extreme heat and climate change. Heat is a leading weather-related killer in the United States. Excess heat affects the body's ability to regulate its internal temperature, which can lead to heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat strokes. Heat also can exacerbate nervous system, respiratory, cardiovascular, and diabetes-related conditions and even can affect children's ability to learn. Electrifying just 30% of all light and heavy-duty vehicles in the lower Great Lakes regions could save more than 1,000 lives and more, more than $10 billion in health care costs per year, according to a study by researchers at Northwestern University. And the benefits of the pollution reductions would be concentrated in disadvantaged communities that are disproportionately burdened by pollutant emissions from transportation. S&P Global Market Intelligence Report. 
In the second quarter of 2023, U.S. renewable energy developers connected 2,383 megawatts of solar and 1,099 megawatts of wind power capacity to the grid. These new additions represent a decline in solar and wind power capacity additions from the year before. At the same time, nearly 3.4 gigawatts of new battery power storage capacity was added in 2023 through July, of which about 70% were from June and July additions alone. The slow start to the 2023 has reversed and pushed the total U.S. installed non-hydroelectric storage capacity to almost 14 gigawatts. AP reports Massachusetts Governor Mara Healy has signed an executive order that will make Massachusetts the first state to ban the purchase of single-use plastic bottles by the state agencies. Massachusetts buys about 100,000 of plastic water bottles each year. Thanks for listening to Equal Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone You're listening.